Welcome, everyone, to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. And Kono Karuda! This is episode 94, and we're reviewing part three, Stardust Crusaders Judgment Part 2. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode on anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. I'm a little bit tired and maybe a little stuffy today um, because it's that time of year. If you've um, been with us at Strictly Series for a while now, you'll know that we suffer from seasonal allergies and that's usually in the fall and we are approaching the fall and yeah, my eyes itch and my nose is very stuffy. I'm surprised my seasonal allergies aren't that severe right now. We were sneezing a ton today. Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I guess I haven't had like the uh, like a super runny nose or itchy eyes. Um, so maybe it's it's oncoming or, or forthcoming. Or maybe I just have all of it right now. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, we'll make it through it. Um, we'll do the best that, well, I'll do the best that I can. If I sound a little nasally, that's why I apologize. Um, but, you know, that's that's life with allergies. But moving on from that, we have some um, exciting updates to share in the uh, Strictly Series world. And first off, we want to give a huge shout out to our newest patron, Arturo V. Woohoo! Oh my God! So Welcome, great, Arturo. <laughs> so many great patrons recently. And yes, thank you, Arturo, for your support. Are we glad to have you as part of our Patreon family? Yes, we are. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and if any of you guys would like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes or our pre-shows um, or submit questions for us to answer on our podcast, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. I also want to share that I was um, a guest on Anime Summit where I joined Sam, Danny, and Amelia from Otaku Host Club for a Girls Talk episode. Kind of a unique topic, um, at least for me, because usually when I when we appear on another podcast, it's very much to talk about anime, like a specific anime topic or a specific show. But here it was just a casual conversation, um, really a girl talk type situation where we talked about anything and everything. Um, we talked about my pregnancy. We talked about um, being horny on Maine. We talked <laughs> about anime and manga, uh, including like BL and stuff. So yeah, it was a really good conversation. Yeah, and it's not like only females can listen exclusively to that episode because I, I gave it a listen and there were a lot of interesting topics. Um, I really liked the the BL one, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much talked about anime and manga. Yeah, that was so. a large part of the conversation, which is great because, I mean, anytime I can talk about anime, I'm always down to do so. And I learned about some interesting manga that maybe someday <laughs> I'll pick up. I, as you guys probably know, I don't read manga. I've read like less than 10 in my entire life, um, but I'm always down to recommendations. So if you're interested in a different type of anime podcast episode, something with more of a chill vibe, a casual conversation, then head over to Anime Summit and check out the guest episode or the episode I guested on, which is the Girl Talk episode. And last thing we will share before we start our discussion is, of course, some JoJo news. And what do you have it? It's related to fashion, which JoJo and fashion go hand in hand together very well. Um, so for this week's JoJo news, we have the Japanese fashion brand 
Pameo Pose, celebrating its 10th anniversary with a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind collaboration. The brand previously had a JoJo collaboration to celebrate the release of Stone Ocean's anime adaptation last year. So I have a couple of tweets or, or posts, X posts, whatever the fuck you call it now. We'll just call it tweets um, of, I think it, it's a fashion show that showcases some of the uh, JoJo collaboration merchandise um, as well as like the pieces themselves. Uh, so of course I'll send, or we'll send a, a link to these tweets on our discord for anyone who's interested as well as uh, a jojo news article that shows i guess the full array of products that pameo pose is offering because it's not just these pieces of clothing there are also bags chokers and earrings uh, but i want to talk about these models that are showcasing some of these pieces so in that tweet i don't know if you have it pulled up courtney uh, the first model looks like they are donning a Fugo-inspired outfit. And then I'm going to skip the second one. Uh, the third one at the top has Giorno, right? That, yeah, that's Giorno's outfit with the heart uh, chest <laughs> exposed. Yeah. Um, bottom left, we have a Mista-inspired outfit. Um, bottom middle is... Narancha. Narancha, and then bottom right, which is probably my favorite one, is a Bucerti inspired outfit, which I think this is a bomber jacket, which I would love to have this bomber jacket. It even has like a an actual zipper, a functioning zipper that you can unzip the sleeves off of. Yeah, I love, I think my favorite ones are the Narancha dress and the Bucerti jacket. Although I do like the Mista two-piece outfit, like that looks like the best pajama set in the world. It's not pajamas, <laughs> but it looks like it could be the best pajama set. The only one I couldn't figure out is that top middle. So it's not it's not part of the collection. It's just oh. part of the fashion. Well, it's part of the overall collection, but not part of the JoJo okay. like, segment of the collection. It was just like part of their 10th anniversary. Yeah, because I, I skimmed the comments because I had the same question. I'm like, who the fuck is top middle? I was like, what the fuck? And then um, somebody asked the same question. The original poster said, oh, it's it's not actually part of the JoJo portion. Okay. Because I thought it was like an alternate version of Bucerati's outfit because there are some pieces of artwork that depict his, uh, usually his white suit with black sort of teardrops um, with inverted colors. But I guess that's not the case. So uh, yeah, th the second tweet shows the outfits again including uh an outfit inspired by trish so that's for anyone who's interested um i think just the fugo one i don't know if that would be very functional to wear unless you had something under it uh which this model does i think it has a, a purple undershirt um but it's just fine it just looks like a <laughs> like a sweater with a bunch of holes in it any other items from this anniversary collaboration that stick out to you? Um, so I actually don't like the Trish outfit. I don't. It looks just kind of like a really long like runner's jacket. But I, even though I don't like pink, I think the best piece for like, yeah, the best piece out of this collection is probably the the Giorno dress. 
Mm. I just love it. Like it, it's it's really cute. Besides the fact that it's pink, is pink's not it, pink's my least favorite color. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. There's some jewelry too that I think is really really cool. They have the stand arrow jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Buchera T bomber jacket is really nice. Actually, they have a purse that goes with it. That is nice. Yeah, but the price tag on that, uh, the Jojo, JoJo News article says that it's priced at, uh, where is it? 286 US dollars. Damn. So, I mean, if I were to wear like a, a high luxury uh, piece of Jojo fashion, I would love to wear this. Um, <laughs> I know that one of our friends is actually going to Japan soon. Uh, so I'm tempted to see if he finds this jacket. But, you know, I, I don't think <laughs> I, I, this would be too much to drop for a jacket. But it is it is a nice piece of clothing. Um, but, yeah, we'll share again. We'll share all the links to these tweets and to the full selection of uh, Jojo Pameo Pose fashion items on our Discord. So if you are not already a member, the link to that is in the description. So let's talk about Judgment Part 2. Um, we talked about the first part and, and talked extensively about the fact that it was just so fucked for Bolin Ref that the poor guy is already a pretty tragic character, but in this like mini arc, he just gets steamrolled by everybody. Um, and yeah, it just sucks for him. But I feel like while the beginning of this episode continues that steamrolling, um, the mo- the majority of it is just really triumphant for Polnareff. It's it's uh, a big flex for Avdol. And then the end of the episode is just so ridiculous, so nonsensical, um, because it makes you think about everything that happened up until the point where Polnareff realized what's going on, what's actually going on with Avdol. And I'm like, man... I think I said this in the last episode. They're really committed. The Crusaders are really committed to making sure Polnareff didn't find out the truth. Yeah, I mean, I I think Judgment, the Judgment arc was meant to be like a Polnareff-centered arc. But I think we all know who steals the show. And I don't want to call it a comeback. But the king has returned. And man, what a return for Avdol. Uh, And he's feeling a little different this time around compared to when we last saw him but i think that's just in a in a very good way and you know i, I love how jojo can go from melodrama to action to comedy without skipping a beat and i think all of that is just fully embodied in this episode to fun effect so while i feel like polnareff kind of takes a bit of a backseat for most of this episode it's just great to see him reunited with Avdol and for them to kind of let bygones be bygones at the end of this episode all right Jojo fans get ready for a red hot repartee as we crusade into our synopsis and discussion for part three episode 22 judgment part two as my sherry no more continues to feast on her bread and brother Judgmental Genie grants Polnareff's third morbid wish to summon the awful Avdol to join her in the deadly dinner. As Polnareff accepts his fate of becoming French Toast Crunch, he starts seeing double here. Four Avdols! Turns out the real Avdol Krabs was alive and well all along, having only suffered a bullet graze from Whole Horse. With a of his heels, 
he uses Magician's Red to set Walmart Avdol and Sherry ablaze and subsequently scares the judgmental genie into oblivion. With the Frenchmen and the Egyptmen reunited once again, they set out to find the genie's stand user, who seems to be on a scuba soil excursion nearby. After providing him some adequate scuba supplies, such as mud, spiders, and a sample of their pee, the user scrambles to the surface in sweet surrender, to which Avdol responds by turning him into cameo fried chicken. With the Crusaders back to 100% strength, Joseph explains how Avdol's status was their best-kept secret so that Polnareff wouldn't run his goddamn mouth off on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now. In turn, the Egyptian Enigma was able to secure for them a new form of transportation for their next leg of the journey. Looks like they'll all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine? Yellow submarine. And now on to our next segment of the show, is that a music and or tarot reference, where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and not-so-ordinary world of tarot cards. But there are no new references for this episode, although would you consider the Yellow Submarine at the end as a reference to the Beatles song? Ooh, maybe. I like to think so. Yeah, why not? Fuck it. Yeah, it seemed (laughs) intentional. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And we have one, and it's a good one. It is, yes, I am. Yes, I am. (laughs) It's Abdul saying, yes, I am, after, of course, that really good, you know, tisk tisk. Um, And yeah, there's just like so many good versions of the yes, I am meme. I was actually trying to look for some, but they're like buried in the shitpost crusaders subreddit but one of the ones that i really do enjoy is like when netflix or whatever is asking are you still watching and then it's like yes i am (laughs) (laughs) it's like you have to say that as you're clicking yes on the screen or continue this is a great meme too because you can apply it in like a million different ways It's, it's just great are you tired Yes, I am. Do I have allergies? Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I do. I fucked it up already. Are you a seasonal allergist? There you go. Yes, I am. <laughs> but as always, if we miss any memes from this episode, please reach out and let us know. Although, would you consider the tisk tisk to be a meme? Like I kind of do. Like it's it's yeah. acknowledged, but it's not like like quite memed. It's not like meme status. It's more of just an iconic JoJo quote, and that's one that I like to use a lot The with my thumb turning up and down or whatever. (laughs) Well, this episode starts where the last one left off, um, right in the middle of Paul Nareff in his zombie movie sequence. So the enemy stand, which the stand is called Judgment, right? And the stand user Mm -hmm. is Cameo. Yes. Because sometimes it's a little bit confusing because they're like talking to Cameo through Judgment. So I'm like, are you calling the stand Cameo or are you calling it Judgment? So I, it's it's Judgment the stand with Cameo mm-hmm. the stand user. But anyway, so Judgment laughs at Polnareff um, saying that Polnareff gave no consideration to how depraved and how messed up it is to wish someone back from the dead all to fulfill like his own hopes that they'd still be alive and be with him and that's a really interesting like point to think about because it it makes sense that people would want someone back from the dead uh, because they want to continue you know having them in their life but is it depraved like is it weird to say like someone's been put to rest you know whether it was like premature or 
Um, you know, maybe they, they it was their time to go. Regardless, like they've been put to rest, they've moved on. Is it depraved to like want them back? Mm. Instead of just letting them be at peace? Like I feel like it's not. I feel like at the end of the day, like as long as it's good intentioned, which in this case it is, because you know, Sherry was murdered mm-hmm. and Polnareff, you know, just wants her his sister back. I don't think it's depraved. Yeah, I, I would see it more in the context of judgment's abilities where he is the one corrupting the wish itself. Um, so he's the one that is making Sherry's and Avdol's return depraved in a sense. But then just thinking of this kind of fitting in with JoJo's themes as a whole, I feel like the way that Kami or Judgment's presenting this is more so in terms of trying to play with fate and not interrupting how fate was destined for these individuals who had perished earlier. Well, Judgment reminds Polnareff that he already made his third wish of wanting Avdol back from the dead. Um, so then he says, hail to you and fucking dips. That's just like his style. He just dips um, and then watches all of the shit unfold. So fake Avdol pops up, right? Like you have this like m- this very short moment where Polnareff is just like waiting for the fake Avdol to show up because he knows it's going to be bad news. And so then the fake Avdol does show up. Um, but even though Polnareff is freaking out and knows that the Avdol is going to attack him, he doesn't use Silver Chariot immediately. And I, I, I wonder if that's because, so Polnareff does kind of answer this in, in just a moment, but when I initially was watching this and I, I paused it at this part, I'm like, I wonder if that's because maybe partly Polnareff is, um, is struggling with the idea of having to attack his friend, even mm-hmm. if it's not his real friend, and probably still carries the guilt of getting Avdol killed in the first place. It's kind of like how the fake Sherry and Avdol, like they're both manifestations of Polnareff's thoughts and memories, right? We talked about mm-hmm. this in the last episode. And um, I think like he he he's he's it's got to be a struggle right even though they're fake there's still that attachment you have to those memories where you may not be able to view it as a a a situation where you can justify using silver chariot because you're thinking like i'm attacking sherry i'm attacking Avdol. does that make sense yeah basically not wanting to use silver chariot at those characters weakest point or just attack, like, because then it's like he's attacking his own sister. Like, he yeah. can't separate the reality yeah. of what's mm-hmm. going on because it's so ingrained in him that, like, this is Sherry, this is Avdol. Right. And I think it's also, like, he's, like you say, he's also that he's just so guilt-ridden that I think he's just starting to accept, like, this is his fate. Um, and it seems fitting for him to be eaten by the two people that he feels he's disappointed and I know in the last episode we talked about Judgment's power, like the stand ability to manifest whatever wish, you know, Polnareff has and kind of manifest it based on like his own memories or, or thoughts of that individual. So with the fake Avdol, uh, when when he shows up, he shows Polnareff the actual bullet hole in his head because Polnareff thinks that Avdol died that way. Of course, oh, later yeah. we learn that it was only a graze to Avdol's forehead. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the fact that like 
he's seeing a bullet hole and the fake Abdul is saying this is the bullet hole. I at first I was thinking, okay, maybe that's because judgment or cameo rather was told by somebody else that Abdul got shot in the head by a whole horse and that's how he died. But you have to think about the previous episode with Sherry, how she was able to tell Polnareff about that goldfish memory. That's only something that Polnareff would know. Mm-hmm. So that proves that Judgment's ability is able to manifest whatever these wishes are based on the person's own knowledge of the situation or of the person. Plus, the Crusaders were keeping Avdol's uh, living status secret from everybody. So Judgment and Cameo obviously wouldn't have known that uh, Avdol survived. One thing about this scene, and I know that uh, part three is on both Netflix and Crunchyroll, but I I watched this, and I think did you watch this on Crunchyroll or was it Netflix? Um, Netflix. Okay, because yeah, this was one of the episodes where we watched separately. Uh, but it's kind of dumb that Crunchyroll censors the gore that Avdol and Sherry ripped out of Polnareff's shoulders. So does Netflix, okay. which is like really dumb. Yeah, because I don't recall like in part six any of the the gore and and blood and guts or whatever in that part being censored or if they just kind of downplayed it in the animation uh but yeah it's just stupid that we can't really see it um in these streamed versions of the episodes was it ever uncensored i don't remember ever watching that episode and seeing all that censorship but i could be wrong i could i could have just not recalled correctly I feel like it's probably uncensored in like the Blu-ray versions of the episodes, uh, which makes me think like when we get to um, Darby, was it Darby Elder, who was the the gambler? Yeah. Um, where Jotaro's like cigarette smoking is constantly censored, oh, yeah. which is so dumb. <laughs> it's like we know what that is, but. I guess, you know, this is protecting the kids. Just put a lollipop in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Because kids haven't seen worse shit on television or whatever. Well, speaking of which, Avdol and Sherry are like biting literal chunks of flesh off of Polnareff and it's like hanging out of their mouths. Again, straight up zombie movie shit, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, luckily, there's enough to go around considering how he's built like a brick shithouse. Yeah, you're right. But also surprising that... um, no one can hear his screaming, although I think Judgment uh, explains this by saying your voice won't reach the shore and no one will come to save you because I guess Polnareff's in like the the backwoods of this island. Because I know this was How a question. How did he get there? Like that's far. Because he was running after Sherry, right? And she was just going through those fields. Yeah, but it's also like how much time would have had to pass for him to travel that far down the island, especially when the Crusaders were looking for him. Because they saw the direction that he was walking in the last episode, and mm. they were following him to try and find him. Yeah. Because uh, I know this was a question we had in the last episode. is like, why is no one hearing this commotion? I mean, it's kind of a half-assed explanation, but, you know, I'll, I'll take it. So to answer the earlier question about why Polnareff didn't summon Silver Chariot, he actually says in the episode that he was so caught up in the shock of everything that he forgot to summon it. But even as Sherry and Avdol are going in for the attack, Polnareff begs them to stop and leave him alone before he summons his stand. So again, like he doesn't want to attack them. It's very clear. But he's doing so because he also doesn't want to fucking die. 
And then when he summoned Silver Chariot, one thing I found really odd is that Judgment was able to like hold back Silver Chariot. Silver mm-hmm. Chariot didn't even do anything to the fake Abdul and Sherry at that moment because Judgment was like had it in like a, a grip or whatever, like a hold or something. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck? That's like crazy. That's crazy strength. Yeah. I mean, it, it's stand fighting a stand, right? But like when you think Silver Chariot is stronger than that, or I mean, I guess maybe Silver Chariot lacks strength but makes up for it in speed. Well, it's based on his user's spirit. And True, Polnareff's... his spirit's pretty crushed right yeah. now. <laughs> so I, I think it would have been easy for Judgment to hang on to Silver Chariot. And by this point, Polnareff thinks this is it. This is the end. He's accepted his fate because he's failed to protect his sister and his friend. And so he's saying all these things. He thinks he deserves this. He thinks that, um, you know, that this is like what was in store for him because he wasn't able to be the brother that he should have or been the friend that he should have to Avdol. And he also thinks he's suffering blood loss that is making him hallucinate because he's seeing multiple Avdols until he realizes that Avdol is actually there. Let's fucking go. <laughs> the ironic part is that Polnareff, during this like internal monologue or whatever where he's like you know accepting his fate saying this is the end he says goodbye to the crusaders to jotaro joseph and kakyoin and wishes them luck on their journey because he thinks that he's gonna die but the ironic part is that he's the only joe bro that does survive because iggy Mm -hmm. dies optal dies and kakyoin dies so he thinks he's going to die, huh. but funny enough, he's actually going to live <laughs> and live a very long time and have a really fucked up life. <laughs> the turntables. He not only survives this, he survives Dio and he survives Diavolo. <laughs> God, I guess he is lucky in some sort of twisted way. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to Avdol's return. Again, he Abdul's eating this shit up. Like he just loves this. This is his moment, dude. He loves the attention. Yeah, he is just like on fire, no pun intended, because he gets his triumphant return. We get multiple like tisk tisks. Um, we get yes, I yes, am. I am. <laughs> we get an explanation of how he did not die, which was basically that when Jay Guile stabbed him in the back, it caused him to throw his head backwards. So the bullet from Whole, Whole Horse's Emperor gun didn't actually go through his head. It just grazed his forehead and like cut the skin down to his skull. So he was like knocked unconscious from that, but was not actually killed. And then he gives us a lovely hell to you, to judgment, you know, to make fun of his hail to you phrase. Yeah, like what the hell happened to Avdol after this bullet grazed his head? He got some good rest. That's what it is. <laughs> he got to sleep finally. I, I think he's, he just... He's confident in like comebacks now and just has this sort of swagger uh, that he didn't have before. I mean, Avdol was always like a great person, um, but now it's it's like he has all the cockiness in the world and just could give less of a fuck about everything, which is great, uh, which was making me think like if the bullet grazed the front of his head, if that would have any sort of effect on his brain function and that's why Avdol acts so differently now but just doing a quick google search it says the frontal lobes are important for voluntary movement expressive language and for managing higher level executive function so maybe expressive language um that that bullet grazing maybe 
triggered something in his brain, and now that's why he's saying the or yes, I am, or hell to you. Maybe that, or maybe he is just so thankful to be alive because he yeah. almost died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then again, true. I feel like all the Crusaders have almost died multiple times. But yeah, Abdul's eating this shit up. He loves it. This is his moment. And then that leads us into the eye catch for, well, the first eye catch of this episode. Which are the stand stats for judgment. So we have destructive power at B, speed at B, range at C, durability at B, precision and accuracy at D, and development potential at D. And of course, we get a glimpse at how judgment looks in his stand or in his genie stand form. Although he doesn't look much like a genie. Um, and I was He's a fucking robot. <laughs> yeah. And I was reading that um, it's a helmet that sort of sits atop his head. And this is supposed to be inspired by uh, Jinzo Ningen Kikaider and Kamen Rider. So I think it's more so a genie that has like a tokusatsu sort of feel to it rather than like a Robin Williams genie. Robin. Oh, yeah. From Aladdin. I was like, Robin Williams wasn't a genie. But yeah, you're right. He was the voice of genie. Um, So yeah, Judgment. I mean, Judgment's an interesting looking stand for what it actually does. But can we acknowledge that judgment they say multiple times or abdul and, and polymer at least acknowledge that like judgment has very high speed and strength um and i'll get to this in a little bit but on top of that he also or it also has this crazy like wish granting ability this this is like a lot for one stand to have yeah it's a rocky like what it has it? like <laughs> fighting abilities and a, a whole separate ability like yeah, normally it's like it's a rocky. <laughs> yeah, normally it's like one or the other. Like you're, it's a really good fighting. Like like star, no, yeah, star platinum. Like really good fighting stand. Well, okay, let me stop there. The star world. platinum, star yeah, star platinum is like up until Jotaro realizes that star platinum can use the world. Star platinum is just like a one note stand. It's it's just strength, right? Combat, but, yeah. But then he realizes that it does have the world, um, the time stop. But then you have like. Crazy Diamond, which is also a short-range power stand, but it can reverse stuff and, like, fix things. Um, You have Gold Experience, which is a... I guess it's, like, a short-range power stand. Not maybe as well-known for that, but it has, like, the creation ability. Creating, like... Well, changing inanimate objects to, like, animate objects. Yeah. And And then then Jolene with Stone Free. Yeah, her threads. I guess all the JoJo's have combative stands with unique abilities yeah so i guess uh basically all i was saying was undone by what i explained (laughs) so then returning back to the episode avdol fights judgment and judgment fucking throws sherry at him like damn (laughs) just grabs her by the head and whips her like dirt body at at Avdol, well, I guess at um at Magician's Red. At least it's not the real Sherry. It's I know, just right? The, the clay version of her. <laughs> but Paul Polnareff, I think, feels like it is because then he runs to catch the remaining part of that dirt body because I think like her limbs explode off, mm-hmm. um, but like the core is still intact, and so he's embracing this fake Sherry. She calls out to him, but with a pained look on his face, he I kind of like think he accepts that the real Sherry is gone forever and this fake will never replace her. And I love the imagery here because you have like, it's like a view from the side where Polnareff is holding her, like holding this like torso of his sister and she's like crying or whatever. And like, 
you know, calling out to her brother. But then Silver Chariot stabs her. But so it's like Silver Chariot's arm overlaid right on top of Polnareff's arm, kind of mm. symbolizing that it's actually Polnareff making the decision, which granted it is, right, because he controls his stand, but it's Polnareff making the decision to end this fake Sherry while also accepting that his real sister is gone and kind of ending any hopes of her ever returning. Like, he's kind of, like, laying her to rest and moving on at this point. See, I just love, like, the way this was done because he could have just had Silver Chariot separate from his body um, or Rocky could have done it that way, but the fact that, like, it was Silver Chariot's arm on top of Polnareff's arm shows that it's Polnareff making the conscious decision to say goodbye to Sherry. Or like it's his spiritual acceptance or his soul's acceptance that um, Sherry has passed away and he needs to move on from that, but still cherish and honor her memory um, as as the real Sherry and not this fake version that Judgment has created. So Judgment thinks it has the upper hand um, until Avdol is able to kind of overcome the stand in this fight, basically by not holding back his strength like he did earlier. Because he was like, I have a stab wound that's still healing. So I was holding back my strength to make sure I didn't like fuck myself up. And then he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to go all out and like destroy Judgment. Uh, But because Judgment has such high power and speed, as like Avdol's saying to Polnareff, um, Avdol says by the rules of stands, the stand can only have a short range because of how high that power and speed is. So the stand user has to be nearby. Uh, and so after defeating Judgment, they go to find the user. Which that was really quick. Oh, yeah. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're building up Judgment in the previous episode. Well, not, I guess not building up, but building up Judgment's abilities with carrying out these wishes and Polnareff is suffering because of it. And then Avdol basically takes him out with like the snap of a finger. It's amazing, but it's also <laughs> it's a, a a testament to how awesome Avdol's return is. But also, you you could think that Avdol could have ended this fight way earlier mm-hmm. if he didn't hold back his strength. Like I get it, he didn't want to like ruin his his healing stab wound. But also, like if he had just gone like balls to the wall right away, he could have just ended Judgment super fast. <laughs> So then they end up finding Cameo um, because Polnareff sees like this straw sticking out of the ground, like a dry bamboo or something um, sticking out of the ground. And Polnareff, um, angry and wanting revenge, decides to fuck with him and dumps dirt, a spider, ants, um, a lit match down there. And then the the nasty Patty episode. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that is so rough because that's that's literally his breathing tube. And then Avdol of all people suggests that the two of them um, do some male bonding by pissing into the breathing straw together. And this is so out of character for Avdol. And even Polnareff comments saying, like, are you sure you're not the one that's changed, Avdol? Like, it's just, it's so funny. And, like, Avdol's laughing. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is, like, not the Avdol that we know. Because the Avdol we know, to your point earlier, is very, like, straight-laced. Um, Is, like, the probably one of the most mature members of the Crusaders alongside Kakyoin. Um, but then again, we've seen Kakyoin behave in some very strange ways. So I guess each of them has their moment. But I guess it's just more shocking from Avdol because, like you said, he, he's more of the pragmatic. Alongside Kakyoin, he's more of the pragmatic person of the group. But it, it's ironic that 
in this episode and especially yeah, in this scene it's like Polnareff and Avdol have switched personalities where Avdol has become more free-spirited and sort of easygoing um, maybe again it's because of the bullet grazing his head and turning on a switch in his brain while Polnareff is the one who we've seen in this episode has has slightly more or slightly matured more and has become level-headed so it's like the roles have reversed but i love this scene it's because it's joe bros being joe bros and after the antics um cameo finally pops out of the ground begs for forgiveness and then avdol burns him um and then the narrator right before the eye catch gives us another or chan chan and I was like, I don't remember these. I remember the first one that the narrator does, but then there's like more because you have the one that Kakyoin does. And now this one, I'm like, oh, why don't I remember these from the like multiple times I've watched these episodes? Yeah, I forgot about Cameo being fried to a crisp because it, it just feels so Looney Tunes-ish. But... Well, not even that, just like the or the Chan Chan. I don't remember any of these except for the first one. So when I'm mm. watching this, I'm like, how many times are we going to get this? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many more like comedy-filled episodes there are in part three. The only other one I remember is, or there's uh, Oingo and Boingo, and then Boingo with Whole Horse later. Oh my God, I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> so that leads us to the second eye catch of this episode which is Magician's Red's stand stats. And I had to double check this, but I don't think Magician's Red's stats are brought up in a previous episode to my knowledge. Uh, so we'll discuss that more here. We have destructive power at B, speed at B, range at C, durability at B, precision and accuracy at C, and development potential at D. So... If you look at the stand stats for both Judgment and Magicians Red together, you'll see that they are actually very similar stats, although Magicians Red has a slight advantage in precision and accuracy. So maybe that's why um, Avdol was able to take Judgment down so easily. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was quick once Avdol was operating at 100%. Would you say he was going beyond plus ultra yeah Avdol <laughs> right? <laughs> shares the same voice actor as all might Kenta. yeah that's true Kenta Miyake. so after the eye catch returning back to the episode i have to say this whole next sequence lives rent free in my head because you have paul Nareff, who is so excited to see how everyone will, will react to Avdol's return to Avdol being alive and then everyone is so fucking nonchalant about it they're like like paul Nareff's like He's like getting all excited. He's like, you're never going to believe this. Guess who's here? And he's like, everybody, look, it's Avdol. And then Joseph's like, hey, what's up? You got yourself? Let's get going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're just like, they don't care because obviously they know the truth. And so Polnareff's like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And Joseph says that he lied about Avdol dying. And Avdol says that jo Jotaro and Joseph tended to his wounds in India. So then Polnareff is like, bro, even you, Kakyoin, even you knew when you helped me defeat Jay Guile? And Kakyoin's like, oh, well, I found out the day after. 
Um, and since you have a big mouth, and he stops and he like he rewords it. Himself, yeah. yeah, he's like, since you can't tell a lie, we had to keep it from you to protect Avdol from enemy stand users while he was recovering. And I'm like, bro, like again, Polnareff just gets steamrolled all over in this this two part series or yeah, two part arc, his, even by his friends. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and that just makes me think. And we talked a little bit about this in the, the previous episode. That makes me think if you think back to everything that's happened um you know with the judgment part one arc and like leading up to that the fact that like they pretended like they didn't know why they were going to this island and they pretended like they didn't know that avdol was pretending to be his dad right and then avdol pretends to be his dad like that's wild (laughs) it's just like these theatrics are so over the top um and they just did it all the fuck with Polnareff, even up to the 11th hour. They could have just told him, right? And he says that. He's like, you guys didn't need to go that far with all of this. And they apologize. And they're like, you know, we are going to tell you at some point. But you ran into Abdul first before we had a chance to tell you. I'm like, why didn't you just tell him when you got to the island? <laughs> why do you have to have Abdul pretend to be his own fucking father? Because there's always a stand or enemy stand user nearby. Which right? there was. That's fair. Cameo <laughs> was right there. So after all of that... um. Well, I wanted to bring up that during this explanation, Avdol refers to Jotaro as Jotaro instead of Jojo. Yeah, I know. We've been tracking our, our Jojos. So, yeah, we've got Jotaro instead of Jojo. We may be past the the mark where, you know, the Jojo nickname is finally not used. And then Joseph says, in addition to recovering, um, he also needed Avdol to buy something for him. And what is that something? A fucking submarine. A yellow submarine. You bought a yellow submarine. submarine. <laughs> like that that shows two things. One, how far he's willing to go to save Holly and defeat Dio, you know, with his Joe Star resolve and his love for his daughter. And two, how fucking rich he is. Even Polnareff's <laughs> like, How did you afford this? He's already bought like what, a Cessna? A rented one anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he's bought a car. No, he bought a car to get the Cessna. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's bought, I think. Oh wait, no. I was gonna say another car when they when they have Iggy, but that's um, I think Speedwagon Foundation gives him that. But anyway, he's uh, been financing the whole trip. Yeah, exactly. So. Like, if, if anything, at least this trip is free for the Crusaders, which I guess it should be because half of them don't make it out alive anyway. But yeah, he's fucking baller um and we know it he's uh what's he his line of work is like um like property right um yeah i thought it was oil but no that's speedwagon who got yeah that's how speedwagon got his fortune before making the speedwagon foundation i'm pretty sure joseph's like um some like dude who dabbles in like property yeah real estate there you go real estate which is kind of wild to think you think about joseph in part two like this is like this teenager who's like very unresponsible and suddenly he becomes this like big powerhouse in the real estate industry. <laughs> I feel like Joseph would probably bully his clients into buying property <laughs> and that's why he's so successful. Right? Yeah, can, I can see can, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to our final thoughts for part three, episode 22, Judgment Part Two. So, did this episode make you go? 
It did. Yes, it did. <laughs> I was going to try to do a yes, I am, but I couldn't quite get, it, get that to fit. Great episode. Great arc. Um, I think this just plays directly into how Polnareff, in my opinion, is one of the most, if not the most tragic character in all of Dodo's Bizarre Adventure that we know of, at least in the anime. Um, and I can't believe I forgot about the judgment arc. Like I remember it surface level but i forgot how much polnareff goes through in these two episodes only to find out at the end that he was lied to by the crusaders um but you know it it's because they know polnareff so well by now and they know he means well but he can't keep his big mouth shut or rather as kakyoin says he can't tell a lie um but yeah it's just it, the whole episode was um it was nonsensical. It was goofy. Um, Abdul was acting just unhinged at times. But the the core of the whole arc, which is Polnareff having to deal with saying goodbye to his sister, um, I think that's what's really key here. Because he didn't, he got his revenge when he was able to kill Jay Guile, but did he get his closure? I don't think so. Mm. But here I feel like he was finally able to get closure in a really fucked up way. But he was able to get that closure when he, you know, got rid of the fake Sherry and essentially moved on from her death. Will he, will his sister always be a part of him and always be important to him? Absolutely. But now he's able to put all of that to rest and focus his attention fully on the ultimate goal of the Crusaders, which is to defeat Dio. But yeah, what about you? I was trying to think of a, a yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> but, uh, I thought this was a great comeback kid episode to Harold Avdol's return. And of course, to your point, uh, Polnareff's closure with his sister. I think it sort of downplays the threat that Cameo and Judgment presented with the sinister twist on the stand's wish fulfillment. But it also highlights what a strong and capable Jobro Avdal is and why he is the Crusader's best kept secret in this arc. And also just showing that Avdal can have a goofy side too. Um, it's also a great showcase of the growing friendship between Avdal and Polnareff as each has learned to reconcile and commune with the other. And this is a relationship that serves to make what happens to Avdal in the later half of part three, even more of a gut punch. But for now, the gang's all here. Minus Iggy, of course, because we haven't met Iggy yet. Uh, but let's just bask in this moment and hope that this submarine trip doesn't get too trippy. Because honestly, the only thing I remember from this upcoming arc is the handshake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Between <laughs> Kakyoin and Polnareff? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And like some like goo. Goo. Like bouncing around the submarine attacking them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing this arc. It's High Priestess, right? Yeah. yeah. High Priestess parts one and two. Yeah. And I think in part two, there's like giant teeth in the water, like a big face. And I just remember the teeth. I don't know. Like there's a lot of enemy stand users in part three. So there's a, naturally going to be some that just don't stick with us as much as mm -hmm. others. And I think High Priestess is definitely one of those where I'm like, I don't really remember it. 
Is it because it's so related to the deep sea that you refuse to remember it? Yeah, maybe. I do have thalassophobia, so it could be that as well. But hey, this will be a great reminder as we jump into that mini arc next. Thank you guys as always for tuning in and listening and dealing with my allergies and my stuffiness. <laughs> Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter, X, whatever, at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. And tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued.